0: What a fantastic passage. Uh, John 14 is perhaps, I could say, my favorite passage in the whole Bible. It's the one I go to whenever I need encouragement. And when I read these words, I thought, oh, lovely, lovely to preach on. And then I thought, perhaps it's rather difficult, because it's all about love. And I can say a million words about love, but we have to experience love to know what it is. And this passage, it's all about the love of the Father and Jesus' love and the Holy Spirit. And we have to experience that love to really understand what's going on. And so I'm going to have a lot of stories which might help you. And we've got a couple of pictures which might be helpful. We'll have some music at the end. And then a short period of silence... And in all these, I just hope that, you know, we all perceive God differently. We find some people are artistic and some are musical. We, we find different media help us to draw close to God. So I'm hoping that through one or the other, we'll be able to do that. Now I first actually became aware of this passage when I was seven. And I was a fervent little Baptist who believed that all other denominations were somewhat suspect. But fortunately, our Baptist minister was a bit more enlightened, and he arranged a Sunday school swap. And so I was sent with my Sunday school to the local Anglican church for the morning, and they, their children went to our church. I can't say I understood much about the service it was all a bit sort of stand up, sit down and I didn't know what was going on but then I thought, oh no I thought we were going out to be with their Sunday school and I realised we were staying in the whole time but then this vicar stood up and he said these words I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you now I don't know if it was the gentle sound of his voice Or the comforting way he spoke. I don't know. But God spoke powerfully through him. And it spoke to my heart that morning. I didn't understand what it was. But it was really powerful. And it was totally beyond my understanding. I did have a happy childhood. So I didn't have any special need for Jesus to come to me. But I realised that if ever I needed him, he would come to me and it really cut. it was lovely and uh, obviously it was a very profound impression and so I've remembered it for the rest of my life now then uh, i've been rereading the chronicles of narnia which i always suggest is a good thing to do and i bought a box set online and i'm reading them before i pass them on to my grandchildren I'm thoroughly enjoying it And I came across a passage in the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to be quoting here from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's referring to Aslan. Now, we were singing about the Lion of Judah. And, of course, Aslan is the Lion of Judah, in other words, Jesus. So in the passage, it, it means Jesus. They say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps he has already landed And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was, any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream, that someone says something which you don't understand. But in the dream it feels as if it has some enormous meaning. A lovely meaning, perhaps too lovely to put into words which makes this dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are wishing you could get into that dream again it was like that now and that's when the children first heard that Aslan was on the move didn't understand it but they knew it was something good they knew that Jesus was on the move something was going on and you know a lot of parents here you've got children and if they come and say to you, you know, Jesus did this or he said that to me, they might not understand the full significance. But it's a very real experience, and so we mustn't sort of say, "Oh no, no, he didn't." Yes, he. It was very special to that child, and we have to remember it. And of course, as adults, any any age, people who maybe never heard of Jesus, if somebody starts speaking about him. Even though they've never heard who he was, something will happen in their hearts. Total strangers. They may never have heard of Jesus in their lives, but once you start speaking about him, there is something special in the name of Jesus. Of course, in this passage, Jesus had been teaching about his impending death. And the disciples were distraught no, 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 no. I mean they, they loved the way Jesus went about doing miracles and they loved the way he honoured the poor and also they loved the way he um deflated the self righteous. But they just loved being in his presence. How could Jesus die? Of course they had no idea then that they would see Jesus again in the flesh. And they had no idea of the power and the love and the sheer joy when the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room. But when Jesus spoke those words to him, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. It must have comforted them especially, and that's why it is in this Gospel. But of course there are some... Sorry, that's right... (laughs) Later in this passage, Jesus said, He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Now, some struggle with intimacy with the Father in particular. And I'm going to tell you a story that Philip Yancey says in a minute, but, you know, many people... Don't have an earthly example of their father they particularly want to know about, Um, and it, it helps. It doesn't help them when they think about intimacy with the Father God. Some fathers are absent either physically or emotionally, and some fathers are not a good example of what fatherhood should be. And Philip Yancey never knew his father and uh, he wrote in a book called Disappointment with God he tells of a story where he went to visit his mother and out came the photograph albums as mothers do and do do back up your photographs don't keep them all as digital because you know computer might go wrong you might lose them all do print them off (laughs) they're worth doing but anyway there was one particular photograph it was terribly crumpled it was him as a baby and there were lots and lots of lovely, lovely photographs and he said, well, why have you kept this one, Mum? and apparently when he was ten months old his father had contracted spinal polio and he was completely paralysed and he was in an iron lung and of course children weren't allowed to visit and he was only ten months old anyway uh, but his father, his mother used to go in and visit and he was able to ask for photographs of her and the two, two children. And, excuse me, there were knobs on the iron lung and she managed to sort of squeeze them be, between the knob and the iron lung itself in a position where he could actually see these photographs. Sorry, going beyond myself. Um, when, when his mother told him the story, Philip was amazed that somebody he had no memory of, no sensory knowledge of, spent all of the everyday thinking of him, devoting himself to him and loving him. And I'm quoting from the book. The emotions I felt when my mother showed me the crumpled photo were the same emotions I felt that February night in a college dorm when I first believed in a God of love. Someone is there, I realized. Someone is watching life as it unfolds on this planet. More, someone is there who loves me. It was a startling feeling of wild hope, a feeling so new and overwhelming that it seemed fully worth risking my life on. And some may not yet have discovered the love that Father God has for you. And for all of us, it's as if he's got a picture of us that he holds close to his heart. And he's loving us, and he's loving us, and he's waiting for us to discover that enormous love that he has for each of us. Can we have the first picture, please? Here you see a little toddler in an enormous brace with his daddy. Daddy. And you can imagine that that little boy might have lost his daddy. I, I was watching my grandchildren swimming the other day and there's a, there was an area where I, the grown-ups could sit and watch. And a little girl came along and she looked into that area and she couldn't see her mummy. And her face immediately crumpled into an enormous cry because mummy wasn't there. And of course mummy was behind her. And she ran to her mummy and she hugged her mummy. And we can imagine that little boy, he he feels lost. He doesn't know where his daddy is. He doesn't know where his father is. And even as adults, we can run to our father and he will embrace us with an enormous hug because he loves us so much. Thank you. Jesus went on to say, Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, that you are in me, and I am in you. And our Father God came to earth through Jesus. Jesus is like the human expression of God's love. And we can know this love through his Holy Spirit. Now, of course, this is getting onto to the the Trinity, which is very difficult to understand if you talk about it, but once you enter god 's presence, it starts to make sense a little bit and we 've got this picture of the triptych, which some people find quite helpful. It's the three figures sitting around the table are meant to represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the ones in the foreground, they, they've got their arms a bit like that, and there's a space at the table, and they're sharing a meal. And it's, that space is meant to be for you. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father, they welcome us. They, they invite us to come and join them. And eating with them in those days was a sign of great intimacy. So we are invited come into God's presence and be intimate with him. That that can go down now, thank you. But before I finish, I want to look at these words that Jesus said. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them He is the one who loves me. Now Jesus wasn't saying we have to do everything right, following His commands perfectly to prove we love Him. What He was saying was if you love me, if you truly love me, you will automatically want to follow my commands. And I want to give a little example from my own father, whom I loved a lot, and he was wonderful and at the end of the 60s, 1960s I was going off to university now those with longer memories who are a bit older will know that it was the swinging 60s great permissive society people were questioning authority and I turned to my father and I said what advice have you got before I go and he was silent for quite a while And then he turned to me and he said, I trust you. And I loved my dad so much that I didn't want to do anything which would upset him. I only wanted to do the things which I knew he would want me to do. And it's rather like that. When we learn to love God, love Jesus, we will wants to do the things he asks us to do yes i know we go wrong but that is the merciful thing we can come to jesus and ask him for forgiveness but there's a change of heart once we learn to love jesus we won't want to do the things he doesn't want us to do and we will desire to do his will i've got one more excerpt from chronicles of narnia And as you know, when we're filled with God's presence, some of you may not have known this yet, and there's going to be opportunities at the end to ask for prayer. And there may be some here also who haven't had a good relationship with their earthly father and struggle with intimacy. And there again, at the end of the service, there'll be an opportunity for prayer. And some might just remind yourself and be refilled but do come at the end if you want it. But when we are filled with Jesus' presence, it's so wonderful and beyond description. It is hard to put it in words, but C.S. Lewis had just such a wonderful way with words. And I'm going to read a bit about the children in the story looking into the lion's face or looking into Jesus' face. Both the children were looking up into the lion's face <clears throat> and all at once they never knew exactly how it happened the face seemed to be a sea of tossing gold in which they were floating and such sweetness and power rolled about them and over them and entered them they felt they had never been good or wise or even alive and awake before and the, moment, the memory of that moment stayed with them always so that as long as they both lived If ever they were sad or afraid or angry, the thought of all that golden goodness and the feeling that it was still there, quite close, just around some corner or just behind some door, would come back and make them sure, deep down inside, that all was well. I'm going to ask for a little track of music to be played in a second. And as we listen quietly, just allow God's presence to wash over you and enter you. And um, when the music finishes, we'll have just a short period of silence and I'll finish with a prayer.